Hello, and welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Today's episode is part of our health IT series from the AMA Medical Student Section Committee on Health Information Technology. My name is Skylar Burke. I'm a medical student at the Washington State University College of Medicine, and I'll be your host for today. Today, we're joined by Mr. Aaron Martin, Executive Vice President, Chief Digital Officer for Providence St. Joseph's Health, and Managing General Partner for Providence Ventures, which manages around $300 million in venture capital across two funds. This VC group focuses on investing in and partnering with innovative companies in spaces related to health IT, including software, devices, diagnostics, and more. Thanks for being with us, Mr. Martin. Yeah, thank you. To get us started, can you explain to our listeners how you are involved in the health information and technology space? What are some things you're currently working on? Yeah. um, So my role at Providence, I've been here eight years. Uh, We're a large health system based in Seattle. Um, I've got three kind of components to my team. The first is marketing. So uh, our in and outbound marketing and brand. The second is digital, um, which is uh, there's an operating component to that and a venture studio component to it. The operating component to it is You know, uh, my team runs all the websites, the apps, anything that consumer, the patient sees. And then we also have a venture studio that creates new new companies. And so we've done that three times so far. We actually have invented technology and then spun it out, created, you know, kind of paired it up with management teams and created new companies and spun them out of, of the organization. And then the third part of what we've done is we've launched a venture fund now on our second fund, uh, it's a, so $300 million in total, so two $150 million funds with 28 portfolio companies, three of which, again, that we created, but the other 25 we've found out in the market and invested in. Um, and, and so that's kind of a, you know, broad kind of, dis, you know, discussion about what my, my, my role is within the organization. Thank you. Yeah, I wonder if you could talk a little about about maybe a few of these companies that you are either on the board on or, or affiliated with that you're particularly excited about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the most recent one that we've, we've launched is, and we spun out, is a company called uh, Dexcare. Uh, and we spun that out uh, last March. Um, and in, we've been working on that company for four years prior to spinning it out. And then... Um, uh, after we spun it out, uh, they signed another six health systems in a very rapid succession and then um, obviously grew very quickly and then raised another $50 million, uh, in their second round uh, just recently. So it's been kind of fast and furious there. And, um, and what they do that's really exciting is they, they, they allow um, – Patients who are seeking care sometime in the next, call it five minutes, you know, so instantaneous care all the way out to kind of call it 48 hours. So think low acuity, same day care. They, it, it's a platform that allows um, health systems to serve those patients incredibly efficiently, um, both in a <clears throat> virtual way. So, you know, through video visits, et cetera. But then also, you know, scheduling them in, in appointments in retail health or urgent care and those types of things. And so it's really this kind of, you know, combined platform that really works. And what it does is it 
it goes out into the internet. It looks for, you know, patients through SEO, SEM and local. So like basically, you know, the different ways that, you know, people search on Google, et cetera, seeking care, it, um, get, you know, aggregates that demand. It routes them to the right venue of care, um, that, that makes sense for them. And then, um, it does load balancing on the, on the back end, so that it makes sure that when the patient actually, you know, is looking for care within say a, um, a retail health setting or in, in a virtual visit that they'll actually get, you know, get access to the appointment that they need, um, or, you know, they'll have kind of very low wait times. So it's a, it's a really efficient, you know, uh, platform for um, this kind of same day care uh, use case. And it's been growing really, really quickly. So that's one example. Another example is, uh, is, is the sec, you know, the second company that we spun out a company called wildflower health. Um, I think that's a, an example of uh, how businesses can kind of evolve towards, you know, uh, a bigger and bigger offerings. So they started off as, uh, a women's health platform, uh, helping women navigate pregnancy, um, you know, in partnership with their OB. So it, it, it basically took everything you need to know about the pregnancy journey and then kind of, you know, T plus three years, you know, into pediatrics, you know, as a woman. Um, and then parse that information out when it was relevant, Right. And then what that did is it helped the OBs on the, you know, the physician side, um, you know, get the information that their patients need to them, um, support them incredibly well during that journey and make their practice more efficient as well. So it's a good example of like, you know, serving the patient and serving the provider. And then the, the exciting thing that they've done recently is that they're now moving into what are called care bundles. And what that means is, is they take in that very high level of engagement. Most of their patients uh, work with the app three or four times a week, uh, for instance, because it's a very intense time, you know, during pregnancy. And they're starting to put care management around that and take risks and create these things called pregnancy bundles where it's insured, um, you know, episodes of care um, working with the providers and with the insurance plans. And so they become an even bigger business than they were. Um, day one. And then the first company that we spun out um, four or five years ago is a company called Zelf. And this is very relevant to clinicians. Um, it's, I think it's a really exciting technology. It's been adopted by 20 health systems so far. And what it allows you to do is um, prescribe anything that is not a pharmaceutical like it was a pharmaceutical directly from the EMR. So if you've ever been, you know, obviously when you're in in practice and you're kind of prescribing uh, through say Epic or Cerner or something like say, you know, Torvastatin, you can now prescribe an app content products or services that you're otherwise probably recommending to patients. And then you can see if the patient actually used that app, you know, watch that video, read the article, et cetera, directly in the EMR and you don't have to go out of the EMR and it shows up in their app and their, you know, Providence app is a card and it says your physician has recommended that you watch this video or you use this app or you buy this thing, knee brace or whatever it might be. So we basically captured a lot of the interactions digitally and made it easier for physicians to do what they're already doing on a daily basis, which is recommending things outside of just, you know, just the typical kind of, you know, take take this drug or, 
you know, or, you know, it's just made it a lot easier. Like typically they're handing over a piece of paper, let's say, or something, you know, patient loses it or whatnot. Um, they can now, you know, prescribe it and see if the patient uh, followed up. So this is three examples. I got 28, so I could go on forever, but uh, those are three sure, good examples. Sure. Yeah, it sounds somewhat similar to the Twistle platform. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. And we're also we were also investors in Twistle, so we we um, um, so they do pre and post uh, uh, care management. You know, a little bit different. It it texts the patient to make sure that they're they're prepped, you know, correctly for the encounter, and then it also follows up with them afterwards. Yep. Well, thank you for those examples. I think mm-hmm. that's really helpful to indicate some of your experiences. And speaking of, uh, I know you worked for Amazon for quite some time. I'm curious, sort of, how that experience in in traditional venture capitalism has uh, compared and contrasted with what you're doing in healthcare VC. What would you say are some of the major differences between the two? Yeah. So, so Amazon is a large, you know, tech company and, um, and, you know, what I would say that I learned there was uh, how does, uh, how does, how does technology function at a very, very large scale? So, um, you know, so, we and you could try things very quickly um, with you know um, very little effort. You can kind of plug in new ideas into a demand stream that was already there, like a huge customer base. And you can try ideas very rapidly, right? Um, with it, when I started at Providence eight years ago, you know patients were barely online with us. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this, but you couldn't when I first started. You couldn't schedule as a new patient online, um, you had to already have an existing relationship with us, which was just absolutely crazy and absurd. You know, what other industry do they make you come in and see them first before you can kind of do something online with them? Um, so we changed that. Um, we, you know, we of course innovated, you know, pretty, pretty rapidly, but a lot of the, the digital platform that we built that now, you know, we're now seeing, you know, millions of patients per month, uh, on on the the Providence platform, it took a w- long time just to build that basic infrastructure and technology. Uh, so that was lo- one huge difference in terms of, you know, in the venture world, kind of outside of a venture, uh, you know, outside of healthcare. Um, I did this podcast uh, a while back with um, a good friend of mine named Julie Sandler, and she runs, um, uh, uh, you know, a tech a startup accelerator called Pioneer Square Labs based in Seattle. It's a great, they do an incredible job and they mainly focus outside of healthcare. And we kind of compared and contrast, you know, how do you start and incubate businesses outside of healthcare versus within healthcare? And there's several huge, you know, differences. One is, is it's a lot easier and a lot faster to test ideas, you know, outside of healthcare because, you know, people's lives aren't at stake. Their health isn't at stake. The information is not as, as critical, you know, you're not messing around with PII typically, um, those types of things. You can do like uh, what's what are called smoke tests to determine if there's e- even interest in a product by running Facebook ads, right? Like a product idea, for instance, right? That's a, a trick used outside of, health, outside of healthcare. Within healthcare, you can't do that. You have to be a lot more planful, um, those types of things. I think but the, the, the flip side is, is within healthcare, um, there's a lot of obvious stuff that is, if you just pay attention to what goes on outside of healthcare, 
you can bring into healthcare. So there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's still a lot of really kind of block and tackling basics to where you don't really have to determine whether or not there's demand for it. So for instance, going back to online scheduling eight years ago, we didn't have to test the notion as to whether or not people wanted to schedule online with us, right? I mean, it's pretty obvious that people would want to do that because they do it in every other part of their lives. When they're booking a table, an open table, when they're booking, you know, um, with Uber to take a ride or, you know, f- for a flight or a hotel reservation, et cetera. So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of intuitive that these things would, would, would work within healthcare. I think we're still, you know, for a lot, for a lot of these services, pretty much in that area where we're just able to kind of, kind of cheat a little bit and see what's going on outside of healthcare and just bring it into healthcare. I mean, a lot of the technologies that my team is applying well-worn outside of healthcare um, now just being applied to healthcare. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. Yeah, and kind of thinking about some of those changes, what are some changes that you have maybe seen accelerated by COVID that you think are really going to be here to stay? Yeah, I think uh, digital first health services are here to stay. Um, you know, there was, there was, you know, this, this weird debate that I would have from time to time with folks in healthcare about like, you know, you know, do patients really just want to kind of come into the office and see their, their clinician all the time versus like, is telehealth really needed? Right. And I think that's been conclusively answered because you can kind of see, you know, even post, um, Post-COVID, when, you know, in between spikes, you still see a much, much order of magnitude higher rate of uh, telehealth adoption versus what it was kind of pre-COVID. I think that's a big part of it. I think, you know, it's also proven that health systems, if under kind of, you know, if they're focused on a single objective, they can um, they can really, really, um, you know, uh, execute well on on technology challenges. I think the um, the other thing that's going to stick around is is the use of AI, especially on a patient facing basis. Um, one of the things that we saw really scale in our response to um, you know the pandemic, especially in the early days, was you know um, you know Providence saw the first um, COVID, confirmed COVID case in the United States, so we've been at this the longest than than pretty much anybody. And uh, when that first happened, we had a, um, you know, we had no real scalable response, uh, you know, for the amount of patients that were kind of calling us or um, were going to be kind of concerned about, uh, you know, contracting COVID. It was a very scary situation. You got to think back to there was no PPE. There was, you know, there were no vaccines. Um, and there's very little known about the disease and, and its effects. 
so we had a lot of very concerned patients. And so, you know, one way that we scaled our response was we built a, in partnership with Microsoft and uh, with our clinical teams, we built a, um, an AI bot called Grace that we had fortunately had built, you know, a couple of years before COVID or about a year before COVID. And we scaled to kind of respond to consumers or to patients who were concerned about what do I do? You know, how do I kind of determine my level of risk? Should I go and get a you know, telehealth visit? What should I do next? Right. Giving them advice in a conversational manner. Um, you know, it was far more scalable than, say, for instance, people trying to call into a call center, for instance, or certainly, and we did not want them showing up at the ED because if they were healthy, uh, we didn't want them getting infected. And if they're infected, we didn't want them in, you know, uh, if they're, you know, they're in reasonably good health, we wanted to stay home until, you know, and so that was, you know, another kind of, you know, technology that, that is really important. And the third kind of technology um, you know, is, is, you know, remote patient monitoring. And so we use remote patient monitoring to remotely monitor thousands of COVID patients at scale to where we could have, you know, a single um, nurse, uh, you know, keep an eye on hundreds of patients who, again, early in the, in, in COVID were at risk patients who had, you know, who, who may have had COVID symptoms, but were, doing well. We didn't want them coming into the hospital. We wanted them to stay at home. Uh, and so what we did is we sent them a pulse ox and a thermometer, and this technology would reach out to them three times a day, check in with them through SMS and through text, and then ask them to you know check their oxygen level and check their temperature. And then it would bring that information into a panel that you know, that allowed, you know, a nurse to, to determine, you know, if, if anybody's, you know, starting to decline, if they did decline, then we'd reach out to them with a telehealth visit. And then if they were, you know, became, you know, severely ill or we were concerned, we would bring it, we'd have them come in through the ED. So these are kind of the three technologies that really kind of helped us get through COVID in a meaningful way, telehealth, you know, AI, and remote patient monitoring. And I think those three technologies are going to be very important in the future. Yeah, that's a great point and relates to this next question. In a blog post you mentioned earlier, you outlined some of the ways that healthcare systems and big tech companies can work together. What do you envision this partnership might look like in the future? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I wrote an article um, a few months back about you know, when, when Google kind of pivoted its, its health, uh, health work, and there was a bunch of, you know, stuff going on in the industry about like, oh, you know, big tech has learned how hard healthcare is and they're retreating. And, and my, my point was like, God, I hope not. Um, because if you don't have that level of, um, you know, technology kind of being applied into a massive industry, like Healthcare that, frankly, is 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 lagging way behind from a productivity standpoint relative to other industries. We're in, we're going to be in serious trouble as a society. I mean, there's just no way. And and these technology companies have the critical mass to develop very sophisticated AI, machine learning that can help the industry. So my hope is is that they'll kind of continue to be engaged. I think what you're going to see them do is is partner. Um, very few of them will, 
you know, compete in a meaningful way because, you know, like, you know, their business is, is software and technology. Their business isn't like, you know, uh, delivering healthcare services. Right. Um, and, and honestly, being a, you know, a software vendor is a lot more profitable than, <laughs> than being a, than being a healthcare service provider. So it, it doesn't even make any sense for them from an economics standpoint otherwise. So I think, you know, you'll, you'll see a lot of that. Um, you know, I, I think what you've seen with respect to Microsoft, they bought Nuance, which I think was a brilliant acquisition that's giving them um, access to really detailed information in terms of how AI could work meaningfully to kind of support clinicians um, because, uh, you know, because through, through, through voice-enabled AI. Um, and it also gets them really to understand clinical workflow because nuance is typically embedded within these EMRs, right? So I think you'll see more of those types of, you know, acquisitions, hopefully, uh, from, from Big Tap that will get them to really understand healthcare at a deeper level. Um, you know, so I, you know, I, I'm hopeful that, uh, that they'll be able to contribute meaningfully to, to the industry. Great. Well, Mr. Martin, what are some of the ways that people can connect with you and follow some of your work? Sure. Um, best way to connect with me is either through LinkedIn, uh, or follow my Twitter account at Aaron Martin FC. So that's Aaron Martin, Frank, Charlie, uh, that's my handle. So, um, those are the two two best ways to kind of um, keep an eye on what, what we're up to and that kind of thing. Okay, great. Well, everyone, that's all for today. Thank you for listening in. And thank you, Mr. Martin, for taking the time to join us. This has been Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. You can subscribe to Making the Rounds and other great AMA podcasts wherever you listen to yours. Or visit ama-assn.com dot org forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.